Pulp MX Network production. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store bought tank, flip flops, and cut off jeans. Somewhere between that. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's industry seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Bass Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Grandstone Boots, and Fly Racing. Welcome to another episode. I don't even know what number episode this is, to be honest. But this is the Industry Seating Podcast. And of course, my name is Jason Thomas. And we've had a couple of weekends off. We are wrapping up the second weekend in a row off. And this always coincides with the Loretta Lynn's Amateur National that goes on late July, early August. And uh, for the professional side of racing, it's a nice little break. Uh, the, you know, the series is longer than ever, 31 rounds now uh, with the you know, SMX playoffs added in. So these breaks don't come often enough, and that's not even counting motocross and nations. So I think for everybody in the pro world, we were excited to be home for a minute, uh, be in our houses on the weekends. And I talk about that quite a bit on uh, other shows. It's just a really underappreciated part of of life. If you are a constant traveler, you know, if you've traveled for work, you can certainly understand uh, that feeling as well. But if you saw Aaron Plessinger's uh, interview at Washougal, just the raw emotion of like getting some time off upcoming on the back of a really good moto for him. He got to lead some laps. You could just see it. It was just raw, right? And and everybody was excited to uh, to get that downtime. Now for a lot of the amateur world, they didn't get that, right? If you, I don't even see the amateur world. There's a lot of crossover. Uh, guys like Davey Coombs or guys like Jason Wygant, they didn't get all of this time off. They had to instead switch gears and head over to uh, Na- just outside Nashville, Tennessee, for those of you who have never been there, but Loretta Lynn's Amateur National. And heard uh, me while I'm making some water here. But, yeah, they're, they have been hard at work for another, I don't know, week maybe longer for some people. Ah, man, if you watch Loretta's at all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on a little bit, but man, the weather, holy cow. So that made an already very difficult and challenging week all the more difficult. And I don't want to get into that just yet. Before we talk about anything, we should be thanking the sponsors of this podcast, Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Works Connection, Pro Glow Wash, International Vet MX Series, TL Speed Shop, Grant Stone Boots, and Fly Racing. Thank you to all of them for being a part of this podcast. And I wanted to start, you know, we didn't have a race, right? That was what I've already mentioned. But I, I, there are a couple of topics that I want to get to. And the first of those is where are we on the motocross of nations? It's going to be a topic that's going to get, become more and more, uh, let's say popular, but common let's say that right like you're going to hear narratives almost everybody that's in the podcast world all the media you know the the drums are going to start beating louder as we get closer because we don't have a team locked in yet you know and there's a lot of uncertainty wrapped up in this motocross nations and i've talked to people that are part of that process and and on the inside 
And I don't think they know quite yet. And, and I'm sure they're playing their cards close to the, to the vest a little bit, right? They're, they have uh, an inkling, I think, of the way things could go. But I also believe there's genuine uncertainty. And there are genuine questions about who's the best rider? How do the politics all play in? You know, will, uh, and I'll jump ahead, but like, let's, say, let's start in 250 class, right? Let's start at the, in the first aspect of this. Justin Cooper is not going, okay? He is getting married on that weekend, and they can't change the venue. They can't change the weekend. They can't do anything about it. Um, I was joking with him at Washougal. I was like, hey, man, if we get a, a GoFundMe together to, like, get you married any place on earth, like, will that get you to Motocross Nations? Um, and he's, like, laughing. He's like, yeah, so many people have been hitting me up about it. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because he is a veteran of this race. He was on the winning team last year. He, he put in such a brilliant performance in uh at redbud last year he deserves the spot and you know if you want to say hayden deegan's ahead of him in points blah 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 fine i would say justin cooper should be on the team and would be on the team no questions asked after winning last year you know he's also he's what 19 points out of the the championship or something like that like he's right there and i think he's been actually getting a little better now washugal wasn't his best race fair enough but he's still got on the podium like it wasn't like it was some terrible race and and at a race like motocross nations experience counts for something knowing what you're gonna have to face um being able to and not that hayden deegan can't handle the pressure but we know that justin cooper can being at redbud under you know the microscope of a home motocross and nations everybody was expecting us to win and he arguably put in the best result out of everybody you know he like that that last moto or i guess it would have been the second moto but he was running around in fourth overall, like the entire time. Like it was just a, an incredible gutsy performance. And for me, that goes a long way. I'm gonna take the guy that's been there, done it. You can count on him. He's such a great starter. And that's a, that's a huge aspect to this race. And I'm not saying other guys won't. We're gonna dive into some other riders that are also great starters, but Justin Cooper is arguably one of the best starters in the 250 class we've ever seen. I don't think that's hyperbole whatsoever. You also look at his ability for time qualifying. Not that that's a huge deal at motocross nations really at all. You know, it, it would count for something, but you think about the gate pick is done by random draw, right? Like they do the pull the pins or whatever. The, um, so that's a little bit different. And then they have the qualifying race on Saturday, which will then determine gate pick for Sunday. So, Maybe the, the fast qualifying thing wouldn't really play a role so much. Um, but I just like the aspects of his game. Uh, and, and the mental side can't be overstated. It really, really can't. Uh, so it, it's a bummer. It doesn't matter. Like, it's all for naught. You know, we're talking about a subject that's not going to play a role in it. But it is something. It's, it's a bummer. We're, we're, and this is going to be a theme is we could be out our best guys across the board. And that's, that's been a problem for Team USA for years. We face that over and over and over in these years where we've lost. It's not that we've had bad teams. They just weren't the best team we could put together. And I felt like last year at Redbud, we had the best team we could put together. And that, I mean, if you want to win, like these teams are really strong. Like France and the Dutch, the French and the Dutch in Australia are going to be lights out good this year. So for us to go in with a, team that is not ideal and I, I don't know how to really state it without being insulting or degrading because that's not what I'm trying to do 
but it's not going to be our best team. So you, you put that however you want, but anytime you kind of go in with less, you know, you're not putting your best foot forward as far as riders, as far as any of them, like, cause to me, Tomac, Sexton, Cooper, that's the team again, if they're healthy. Like if that, if we could put that team back on the trace track, I think everybody would agree that we, we would go with that. Okay. I don't think there's a really good chance. We're not going to have any of those three. That's, that's a really tough blow to a team USA. That's coming off the first win in a decade going into France, which is you say enemy territory. It's not war, but the French will be one of the strongest teams at a track that they perform really well at, at a, in a really hostile environment because they're going to want to, they're going to want to get it back. Right. And they're going to be really patriotic after they watched America last year. And, and I've been to this event at this exact racetrack and it is absolutely insane. It is the wildest, craziest atmosphere you could ever dream up. And that's what these guys are going to face. They're going to face all that pressure and all the hostility of a foreign country. That's what they're going to be up against. So we may not have any of those guys. So where does that leave us? That leaves us with, in the 250 class, I think we're choosing between Hayden Deegan and RJ Hampshire. Okay. Now, if you look at Deegan's last race, I think he vaulted himself to the top of the list. You know, he goes 1-1. He puts in just a heroic lap that drops everybody. You know, he just absolutely destroys Justin Cooper and runs away with the moto. I think he took a big step there. And, you know, they've been touting this whole USA thing we'll talk about in a second. But part of that is for Motocross Nation. It's also part of, you know, they're building a rivalry against the Lawrence brothers as well. Say what you want about that. But Unadilla is going to speak volumes because I don't think we're going to get a team until Bud Streaker Ironman. That's what it's sounding like. I, I could see them waiting all the way to Ironman. And these races are going to be pivotal for that. So if he comes out and is really strong again at Unadilla, like he puts in like a wins a moto or is, is on that same level, I think he cements his, his spot. I really do. Now, they're not going to announce it that day, but I truly believe that the powers that be will, be, will say, yeah, we're, we're going with Hayden. And there's more, there's more politics to it too, right? Like it costs these teams a lot of money for like for monster star Yamaha to send Hayden Deegan, it costs them a considerable amount of money. And there have been efforts to offset some of that. You know, Paul Parabinos put together this raise it for USA program, which is helping to put a dent in some of the expenses that the teams incur because they don't budget for that. And, but it's still like a huge commitment, time, effort, money, taking people away from their families. They have to continue riding motocross and they don't really want to, right? It's going to be during the SMX playoffs and they have to be focused on motocross and nations because it's going to be right after it. It's, it's the next weekend after the final or no, it's uh, I'm sorry. It's two weeks after the final in LA, but you can't just be practicing for SMX and then flip a switch and, and be prepared because you think about it, they're going to have to leave. They'll probably leave like Monday, maybe Sunday, get there get over jet lag, work out some, and they'd probably ride, want to ride one day, ride their race bikes in France to kind of get acclimated and get used to everything. So that means you have to leave like a week out. So that gives you one week at home after LA to get everything together. Uh, so that there are just a lot of demands that this race puts on people. And, and from what I hear, Star, Monster Star Yamaha, if the team is not like well put together and, and it's not like a team that can win, I've heard they're like, we don't necessarily have to go. Like we want to go. 
but we also don't want to go over there. I, I think this is it. This is it in a nutshell. They don't want to go over there and get destroyed like we did at Matterly. You know, when we had uh, Osborne, Cole Seeley, and uh, who was the other rider? I should know this. Uh, drawing a blank. But anyway, we got absolutely destroyed. Like, I mean, smoked. I was standing there in the rain and in the mud, and we had no, absolutely no chance. And that's not the first time I've been through scenarios like that. That's what the, some of these people, the powers that be on teams, don't want to do. They don't want to spend all their money, time, and effort crazy amount of resources, human capital, all those things on an effort that's has no chance of success. That's what they're going to avoid. So if we get the right team together and Hayden Dean continues to show his prowess, then I think Deegan is on the team. Now, how can RJ get on the team? A couple of ways. Just like what I was saying, if the team doesn't look like it has any sort of great chemistry, maybe who knows, right? That, that's a totally opinion-based decision. But if for some reason the Deegans or his team decided they didn't want to go down that path, then I think that immediately opens up the door for RJ, just naturally, right? He would be the next in line for that position. Remember, RJ is only 24 points out of this championship. It's not, it's not over, right? They're down. He, he and Justin Cooper are down 19 and 24, 24, 26. Either way, uh, it's not a crazy amount. Um, so they're down there. They, you know, they need some help. And they need to win, uh, but it's not over. So I think that would be a, a way RJ could get in. And I also think a way he could get in is if the 450 team got really dicey, I think he would ride a 450 without question. I think he would do it in a heartbeat. So I think there is a chance for RJ to get onto this team. Things are just going to have to go a certain way. Um, I, I think it's an outside shot to be sure. Uh, but you think about, for RJ, it's an Austrian-based, you know, Huskies based in Austria. They love that event. It's easy for them to have uh, a team to race for with Husky in, you know, there's Nestan, Husqvarna. Like, there are easy ways to make that team happen versus some of the teams in America. It's just not as easy of a transition as that makes sense because it is a European-based program. You know, like KTM, Husky, and Gas Gas being based in Europe. It just opens a lot of doors. Not to say it's not something that the teams overcome, can't overcome. Like if, if Sexton raced a Honda in France, they would rely on HRC in Europe to help also. It's just not the same. They don't have every resource. Like if it was Japan, right? Like where it's based there, if it's in America, where it's this huge HRC effort based in America, the, the resources are just so much greater in Europe for these Austrian brands for obvious reasons that it just is an easy choice to go down that path. So let's talk 450. I mentioned that I don't know what Sexton's going to do and I don't think anybody knows. Now I thought for a while that he was going to do it. Um, I've been told and I think it's been out there a little bit that Honda has said, yes, we will support Chase Sexton. If he wants to race a Honda, in France in October past his contract, um, like when it expires, they will do that. So that's, I thought really cool of Honda. Uh, they don't have to do that. It's going it, to, like I said, they're, you know, all these things have costs. They, they're not like endless budgets for these teams. So that, that's a, I thought a cool thing and classy move by Honda was to support that if they wanted to do it. Now, 
I don't know whether Roger DeCoster, I've heard Roger DeCoster is okay with it too. If Chase will race a Honda, he's okay with letting Chase finish out that Honda run at, in France and that be the final round. I mean, it's literally only one week past contract expiration. But I think to me, the real question is, does Chase Sexton want to do that? And that's where I don't, I don't quite know. Um, he is not happy with his motorcycle. And he's the only one that can decide if he's happy enough to go through that or if he wants to be done as soon as possible. But I'm telling you, every time he comes off the racetrack, he's complaining about something with the motorcycle. I watch it. I hear it. I see it in his body language. I see it in his, his hand gestures. He's frustrated with the bike. And that's not for me to decide if it's all in his head or not. You know, he, he's an incredibly talented racer. So something is frustrating him. Something is not working the way he wants to. And that's, in the end, that's all that matters. You know, the, the team's trying to the ends of the earth to make him happy. Of course, they, they want him to be a successful. It's led, I mean, realistically, it's led to him leaving the team. You know, this, this decision was made a year, over a year ago, a year and a half ago, to be fair. But I think if he really wanted to stay, he could have gotten out of the KTM deal. It was a letter of intent that he signed a year and a half ago. I, I think he could have gotten out of that somehow if, if he had come to terms and, and been really happy with the motorcycle. But I don't think he's been happy with the bike for a very long time. So that's a tough deal when you're saying like, hey, would you want to do one more race and push back your team change, you know, two more weeks and you're not going to get a break? Because that's another part of this you have to think about. Instead of resting after the LA finale, you would get two full weeks of rest. And instead of doing that, you're going to be training, riding, testing, probably outdoors some, flying to France, riding more, you know, all the, all the things that motocross nations entails, or do you want to take that time off, start riding the KTM at your leisure, start that testing process early and get a jump start on 2024, both recovering your body and also this huge team and machinery and personnel change that you've got to go through. Like that's a, that's a big thing that he's going to have to work through. Like he's starting from scratch with a brand new motorcycle. I don't know that he's ever not raced a Honda. Think about that. Right. So switching from a Japanese motorcycle to an Austrian one is a big change. Fundamentally aluminum frame to chromoly. Like there's a lot of differences there that he's going to have to work through. And I don't know if he wants to delay that by two full weeks or not. He's the only one I, I think, cause I think Honda will do it. And I think KTM will let him do it, but he's got to make that decision. So we'll see how, uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't know. I don't really have a strong opinion. I, I think he's leaning towards not, um, which really sucks because he's our best guy. You know, we know Tomac's out, right? But Sexton, I think going there gives us such a good chance because he could win. Like he could win the race. I don't know if he would. Um, he hasn't been able to beat Jet yet and Jet's going, but theoretically, he could win. Like, you know, Febra's really good. Prado's really good. Hurlings is really good. I, I get all that. But I think when Sexton's on and he's having his best day, he can win. Like, that's a fair statement to make. And to not have him, not have our best American 450 rider there, it hurts. Like, it hurts our chances. End of the, you know, end of story. So that's one 450 spot that we, we have up for grabs if Sexton doesn't go. And I'm hearing more and more that he's not. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I, maybe I'm just not paying attention to the signs, but I'm hearing that there's a really good chance he won't. Well, that's not, that's not fair. I'm not, 
I, I there was a there was momentum for him doing it. Honda said they would do it. Kitian said it. Like so, I was like, oh man, this is gonna work. But I'm I'm just not hearing as much positivity in that direction as I was. How about that? I'm trying to be really careful with how I say this because I truly don't know, and I don't want to overstate it to one side or the other. Like hint it, hint that I do know. I, I really don't. Um, but I'm just not as optimistic as I was a few weeks ago. So who else do we have? Who's on the roster that we could pick from to fill the two four fifty spots if? Sexton doesn't go. And either way, we still need one. So there's AP. I'm hearing his name thrown around more and more. Justin Barsha is coming back for Unadilla. We don't know what that's going to look like, but he's been on this team. He's raced this track for Motocross Nations. He's always great at the Motocross Nations event anyway. Uh, he's just got a really uphill climb to make because he hasn't raced at all, right? So he has no momentum, no uh you know, there's no steam behind this Justin Barsha go to Motocross of Nations narrative at all. Now, he can change that quickly if he comes out and, and is just immediately on the podium and, and challenging these guys. I don't know if that's realistic or not. I would say it's probably not. But stranger things have happened. So just let's keep an eye on the Justin Barsha momentum to see if anything builds there. Uh, Jason Anderson, I think, is in this conversation. Now, that doesn't mean that... I think he's going to get on the team. I just think he there's a chance. Um, this race has not been one that Kawasaki has loved to be a part of in the past, simply because it costs too much money. And all, all the things I was talking about earlier, the burden on the personnel, the costs, um, all the resources involved, it's not on the schedule, like when they build their you know schedule and budget for the year. So it's just not one that Kawasaki, I think, is bending over backwards to try to lobby to get Anderson on. Now, whether you agree with that or not, doesn't matter, right? I just have seen the politics behind the scenes, and I don't think it's an event that they are going out of their way to be a part of, which sucks. It's my favorite event of the year. Uh, Cooper Webb, I think, is on this list, weirdly, but I think there's a chance that he could get on this team. Uh, you know, the the switch to Yamaha is on, right? Like, he's not going to race a Yamaha until September. And that's my guess. I don't know that. But I think he'll race the playoffs on a Yamaha, and I think that opens the door for him to be picked to race a 450 at Motocross Nations. I'm sure that the team, like the, you know, whether it's Mike Pelletier or whoever is doing their due diligence and talking to Cooper and like, hey, what's the situation? Talking to Yamaha, right? And like, if you go to Star and you're like, hey, this is the deal. We're going to take Deegan and Webb. Like, that's a pretty cool deal for them, right? Like, they get two of their guys. Like, it makes it more worth doing because now you're getting double the exposure for, you know, the – not the same cost, but similar amount of cost anyway. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I, I could see that happening. I don't, I don't know. Like there's a lot of moving parts there. You know, is Webb going to be up to speed? Is he going to have time to test motocross? Does he, I know he wants to do it. He loves this race. Um, so that's something we'll have to keep on the radar. And then the last option I have on here is RJ. Our, I think RJ could do this race on a 450. And I briefly mentioned that before, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. If things went away... Guys got hurt. Sexton decides not to go. Star decides that they don't want to go. Who knows, right? Like we're a couple crashes and a few people's opinions away from RJ going on a 450, in my opinion. I think that's a realistic chance. I'm not saying it's the most likely. Don't get me wrong. That's, that's not, it is not the most likely scenario. I'm just saying it is on the bingo card somewhere. It's on, like, if you were, if you had all these scenarios, it's on there somewhere. That's, that's all I am going to say about that. So we'll just, we'll see how it plays out now as I drink another sip of water. 
I want to touch on the Steve Mathis thing with Deegan. He's gotten a little crazy. Um, I'm just seeing comments and I get tagged and DMs and emails and all this stuff. And I understand people being upset about the comments. I, I really do. Um, I don't, I, we argued on the podcast, right? Like clearly he and I disagree on the subject. Um, he has always been the, this same guy where he doesn't like flag waving. He doesn't like when people drape themselves in the American flag and you know, that, that he doesn't like that. Right. I am more of that. I'm more patriotic than that. Like I, have raced all over the world. And I think that being an American means something. Um, I'm proud to be American and from the USA and I don't shy away from that, nor would I ever. And that's kind of where I come down on it is I, I don't think that going up there and saying you're proud to be an American and you're, you know, you wanted to win as an American. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I really do not think there's anything wrong with that. And I would tell Steve the same thing or anybody who thinks there is, I, I would disagree. Now, where I think it gets dicey and where I don't think it's okay is if you ever prop yourself up by pushing someone else down. That's where I have a problem, and I, I would not be on that side of it. I would denounce that. Um, you can't go up there and say, I'm American, and we're better than everybody, and you should cheer for me because I'm American, and Hunter Lawrence isn't. That is not, that's not okay. You can't do that. You can't say that. It's that is very out of line um, that the Lawrence's have done nothing but be classy the entire time they've ever been in this country. And just because they're not from America, I'm sure they're proud to be Australian as they should be. Australia is a great country. I love it there. It is beautiful. It's one of the only countries on earth I could live in. Not other than America. If, if I didn't live here, it's one of the only ones I could do it. So they should be proud to be Australian too. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And, and if they went up there and said, man, I'm, I'm so happy, you know, both Jet and I won today, and, and we're Australians. And for us to win, I, yeah, go for it, man. Like, I'm, I'm no problem whatsoever. The same thing for Hayden Deegan. Like, to say that you're proud to win as an American, great. That's cool, too. Like, so I'm proud that you're winning as an American also. And there will be nobody, nobody more patriotic than me anytime we're at Motocross Nations, anytime we're at watching the Olympics, anything like that. Like, that is, I am here for all of that. So Steve and I differ on that. He doesn't like that stuff, that narrative, whatever. I feel differently. Now, there's been some really silly off-base things that I've seen said, like people attacking Steve and going out, like trying to, they're going to tell his sponsors. Like Steve didn't do anything out of line. Now, do I agree with his take? No, but I don't think he was like railing on anybody. He's been, but he's been very consistent on this topic for years. Like as long as I've ever known him, he would always make fun of me because I would get so distraught when America would lose the motocross the nations. It's like the same topic. Basically he'd be like, ah, whatever, who cares? I'm like, I care, man. Like it means this race means something as an American to me. It means it may not, ha it may not for you. That's okay. I don't care. I'm not judging you for not caring. I care though. And I'm bummed out and I'm sad. And I'm proud. I want us to be, I want us to be the best. Like I, I'm not ashamed of that. I want to be the best. I want America in America in those types of events. I want Americans to do the best. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I'm never going to say like, Hey, the French suck or the, you know, the UK team UK sucks. Like, no, I, I don't, I don't feel that way at all. 
Like they're incredibly good. Like I think we're probably going to lose badly this year. Well, maybe badly. But we're going to lose this year. I think we'll probably lose to the French and the Dutch and the Australians. That's what I really think. Now, I hope that's not the case. I hope we can win. But those teams are fantastic. They're going to be great this year. But I'm going to be rooting with every ounce of my heart for Team America. So there, it's shades of gray. There's a lot of nuance to it. Um, Steve is a great human being. I don't think he is like trying to be a, he's definitely not a bad person. He's not like trying to say Hayden Deegan's a terrible person either. I just don't think he likes that narrative. And that's, that's on him. Like he's not going to shy away from that. I promise you he's the most outside, outside of maybe me, the most stubborn human being on earth. He's not going to shy away from the things that he believes or feels. He will not do it. Right. And I don't think he's saying anything necessarily bad. It's just a difference of opinion. Not everybody has to think the same way. And tolerance for other people's opinion is, it's, it's needed in the world today. Like we need to be more tolerant of the of way other people think. As long as it's not harmful to someone else, and that's basically the same concept too. If it's just a, a harmless opinion that is not attacking or degrading someone else, then maybe think about it a little bit before you immediately just shut it down and, and start railing against them and emailing people and writing nasty things to them. Like, I don't think that's, I don't think that's good for us as a society at all. So anyway, I'll move on from that. I just want to kind of get that off my chest. Uh, well, Red is, is the next topic and I'll, I'll keep these brief, but uh, that was, that was a mess. <laughs> I mean, it is the greatest and best amateur event on earth, period. End of story, bar none. It's what I look forward to all year long. I could not wait to get there every year as a racer. I literally would train. I can remember running. You know, I had this loop that I ran uh, in town, my hometown, you know, back in Florida. I'd run it every day. And I remember I could run, I'd be running the trail every day. And it didn't matter if it was in October or January or April. I would be running this trail thinking about Loretta Lens every single time. I would be thinking about Loretta's what I was going to do, how I was going to train, why I, that was my motivation, right? It was my driving force was Loretta's all the time. And I know what it's like to be there for all these kids. There's so much pressure and so much expectation, so much money spent, you know, so much sacrifice by the parents to be there. And then you get all this rain and everything's just a complete disaster. And like, it doesn't even matter. Like, you know, there's so much that's taken away from this race, I think by sponsors and your whole, worth as a racer is kind of riding on this one event and then the rain comes and all that's out the window because the mud you don't know who's good and who's not in the mud like it's it was so sloppy and nasty like that's not to me not true a true measure of who's going to be great and who's not it's it's not it's irrelevant it just turned into a complete disaster everybody ruined their motorcycles and for those of you who haven't been there you know it's right next to a river which is why they've had such flooding issues in the past but when it gets rain like this, like everywhere you go is underwater. The roads, the pit area, the track, the bathrooms, like everything. You're just standing in water the entire time. You can't walk anywhere without walking through mud and water. You can't be in your own pit area. You can't work on your bikes. You can't, ha you know, sit outside and have food, like eat dinner. Not that you really want to because it's so damn hot. But just it just makes the week miserable. I mean, absolutely terrible. And then you got people trying to leave, and they're parked out in these muddy fields, and they're they're stuck because there's so much mud they can't get out. So they're having to get pulled out by tractors. It is just the biggest nightmare ever. 
And literally the only escape from it is if you park down on the rocks by the river, you could just be in the rocks and there's no, there's no mud, right? Like that's your only reprieve is to just take your lawn chair down by the river and sit there and be like, okay, I'm clean. And I'm not going to go through, I'm not going to go walk in the mud for a while. That's probably what I would have had to do. Cause I just, I can't handle all that mud for that long. It just, I've been there in muddy years, man. And it absolutely sucks. So I feel bad for all those people that, uh, yeah, that had to go through all that. Cause it was, it was relentless. Like there was like one day practice was good and a one good race day. And then the rest of the week was just catastrophic, just a absolute mess. Um, so yeah, bummer, bummer for Mex sports, bummer for all the people that were there racing, but, uh, yeah, weather, that's what happens over it is it does rain this year was just a little, little worse, uh, championship wise. I mean, you know, Hunter, we talked about this on the last show, but Hunter and Deegan, it feels like those two, but again, it's only like 20 points back to the other guy. So it's not anything that can't change, but I think Hunter really needs to send a message this weekend. He needs to do the same thing that he did at Millville, basically prove to all of them that he's the best guy. Go show them why he won all the races at the beginning of the season, why he had a huge points lead, and that had there not been a mechanical DNF and a first-turn crash, he's a runaway winner of this championship. That's what he needs to go show them again and send that mental messaging to Hayden and anyone else that thinks that they're going to be champion. I, I think that's critically important. And if you're Hayden... You need to find that same magic, right? You need to ride the momentum that you had in that second moto at Washougal. Because I think there's this narrative where not everyone thinks he's the guy yet. I might be one of those. I don't know. I haven't really made my mind up yet. I'm kind of wait and see with him. But I think if you're Hunter and if you're Justin Cooper and maybe RJ, I don't know. But a bunch of these guys, they're kind of like, yeah, Hayden's really good. But they, I think they all look at Hunter as the quote unquote best guy right now because he won all those outdoors and he's your super cross champion and all those things. He was third in the series last year, almost second. So I think Hayden is still establishing himself as that upper, you know, that alpha guy, but coming off Washougal and then following that with a really powerful performance at Unadilla would go a long way in my opinion of, of, of doing that, right? You need to be in your competitor's heads before the gate even drops. You need, you want them worrying about you instead of worrying about what they have to do. That's when you know that you've got them on their back foot. And I don't think Hayden's quite there yet. I think he's on his way. He's taking some really big strides towards that, but I don't think he's quite there as of yet. 450 class, you know, Jed is the, is the conversation, right? Can he, can he do this thing or not? Can he be perfect? He's got six motos left. Uh, I'm hearing that Justin Barsha's in, so we'll see if Barsha... Can, you know, if he gets a whole shot, can he mess with Jed a little bit? I could see him trying to do that. Like, I think Barsha is that personality where he would love to get in and just screw with Jed, make his life miserable, trying to do this thing, this perfect season thing. Um, I don't know if he has the pace. Like, Jet may just blow past him and check out, right? Like, totally could do that. But think about, like, think about Barsha in the past. Like, when he first moved up to the 450, he got in there and was screwing with Dungey and Villapoto so badly, right? Like, he loves that. Like that is just so just in him. Like it is how he is wired and I could totally see him doing that again. So we'll see what he has. He may not be ready for that yet. You know, he may just be on just trying to get back out there and, and find his legs a little bit. So we'll see. I, I don't know, but I could see him if he's like close to hundred percent and he gets a whole shot. I could see him absolutely getting really aggressive with jet and trying to intimidate him. Um, but it's just something I'll be watching for anyway. 
Uh, Roxon was going to be in for Unadilla, and now I'm hearing he's out. And I'm also hearing he's probably out for the rest of the motocross series, which is a bummer. I, I really wanted to see him back. He brings a lot to the series. He was so incredibly impressive at uh, High Point, and I wanted to see a little bit more of that. So I don't know this particular reason why they're not doing because I know they were on a path to be at Unadilla. And then uh, for whatever reason, that has changed. So that's a bummer. It's good news for Jet, clearly. Like Jet wants the least amount of resistance possible, I'm sure. Um, and Roxon would be a, a legitimate threat. Sexton seems like the most likely threat, but Roxon could, he could do it. Like Roxon, absolutely give Roxon a whole shot at Unadilla. And if Jet somehow, which doesn't seem even possible, got a bad start, uh, Roxon would be gone before Jet could figure out that Roxon was out front. And then the race is over, right? Roxon would just manage the race from the front, which he's done a million times. Remember, he's a two-time motocross champion in this class. Uh, so he knows how to do it. That's it for this week. Thanks again to all of our sponsors, uh, Pirelli, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Works Connection, International Vet MX Series. You can also go to oldtimersmx.com for more information there. Pro Glow Wash, TL Speed Shop, Grant Stone Boots, Fly Racing, as always. That's where I work every day. Many of you know, already know that. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't have anything. Like, there was no race, but I wanted to talk about some things and... Uh, if you're like me, you like listening to podcasts, right? Like I need content to fill my week. Um, and yeah, just because we didn't have a race doesn't mean there weren't things we couldn't talk about. And hopefully this will help get you through your week a little better. So we will talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening. Please check out all the sponsors because they are, this is how this podcast happens. It costs me money to do this and I wouldn't be able to do it without them. And they're all great companies. That's why I like working with them. So talk to you soon. See you.